0: hello everyone this is adam meister the bitcoin meister the disrupt meister welcome to this week in bitcoin today is april the 17th 2020 strong hand golden age of the 2020s having hype oh we'll talk about that in motion okay value your wealth in bitcoin i'm offended by selling one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. Personal responsibility is a new counterculture. We're going to talk about that. Hello, my elite friends. I got you the best freaking guest in the space again here on the This Week in Bitcoin show. We're here every Friday. David Bennett, Brecky Von Bitcoin, and Stefan Lavera. They are all linked to below. Let us start the show because it has been uh, an exciting week in Bitcoin and beyond Bitcoin. Uh, one thing that I noticed and that we were talking about off air is that uh, everyone's uh, talking stable coins stable coins and the dollar seems like a lot of people want to hold stable coins these days that are equivalent to the dollar. Yet Donald Trump is printing up all sorts of uh, dollars, giving them out to everyone. We're getting $1,200 checks in America. They might even send the $1,200 check to (laughs) <laughs> to stefan lavera in uh, australia so let me start <laughs> with stefan lavera since uh you're in australia and you might not be getting a 1200 dollars check from uh, donald trump what is up with the stable coin craze and uh why are people valuing their wealth in dollars these days
1: it is perhaps some quasi crypto dollarization happening where you know maybe there are people around the world who have an even worse you know uh fiat coin than the usd and they would rather hold some usd instead or maybe they're trying to use it to sort of get around these little currency or capital controls in their own country and so some of this may be a little bit of transactional demand happening in kind of the stablecoin world um, just because they're not ready to start denominating in bitcoin like those of us who are more like bitcoin centric let's say in the end, I think it does just push people a little bit more towards having it easier. Because once you're already in a stablecoin, moving into Bitcoin is not that hard. So that, that that's an angle too. Um, but I think longer term, it's just we see it more, at least the way I'm thinking about it, is more like, well, Bitcoin is just the harder money. It's just going to longer term win out. And that is what we'll see, especially like as halvings play out.
0: How big do you see the stable coin uh, space getting, though? I mean, Tether, in terms of uh, its market cap, is going to eclipse uh, uh, ripple soon, may- it, it looks like. I mean, it, it, seems really.
2: like,
0: it seems like more and more people are getting excited about these stable coins, which, I mean, it's not my thing at all. But, uh, I mean, how, how big do you think this is going to get?
1: Yeah, I don't really have a good answer, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, they could get a lot bigger, for all I know. i uh, I mean, the market for dollars is a lot bigger than the market for Bitcoin right now. Obviously, Bitcoin is this tiny, tiny thing in the global scale, but we're all just super bullish on it because we see the properties of it. And I think if stable coins function as a bit of a gateway drug for people, so be it. I'm, you know, obviously I don't bother. I don't mess with stable coins myself, but yeah, it may just end up being it's what gets people started on their journey of coming into Bitcoin. That's my take.
0: Yeah, I don't mess with them either. Pound that like button, people. Well, the stablecoin uh, that, that we're most familiar with, Tether, it represents the United States dollar. Uh, what's your take on the United States dollar these days? <laughs>
1: um, for me, I, I, think, I think Raoul Pal had a good thesis on it, basically. It was that other countries around the world, you know, they're – like there, there, there's going to be people who still want U.S. dollar, right? And so he's kind of like short-term bullish on the U.S. dollar relative to other fiat monies. So that that kind of made a bit of se- that made a bit of sense to me. Uh, but I'm not like some big macro thinker guy, so I don't uh, pretend to know what the deal is there. Uh, I see it just like a function of time, and we just kind of uh, those of us who are. Um, who understand that Bitcoin has a certain scarcity and a certain, has certain qualities to it that can't be replicated. It's just going to win out longer term.
0: All right. Well, well let's go.
1: Oh, so D- David Bennett,
0: you're a macro guy. Uh, what's what's, <laughs> what's your take on the uh, stable coins and the dollar? And, and uh, since a lot of people have been talking about them this week.
3: Yeah. Uh, I'm a little lax on that right now. The entire, my entire week has basically been,
1: Yeah,
0: really? who's Tyco? YTT. All, right, All right, David, we're you
1: were in the middle of
3: something
0: there.
3: Yeah, uh, the investment in stable coins or or this this irrational exuberance around stable coins. I I just I don't get it. I'm not a, a stable coin guy because the only reason that you have stable coins at this point is because you're dipping in and out between fiat's and cryptocurrencies in some kind of weird, weird, like quasi sort of like, it's like a mix between the two worlds. And I think somehow or another that, that it's, it's an edge effect. The edge of cryptocurrencies meeting up with the edge of the fiat and the legacy financial system is causing some kind of like, I don't know, like a nice soft looking bed that you would like to go lay into because you just don't know any damn better. And I think, I, honestly, I think that's what's going on is that people are like, they know something's wrong with legacy fiat. They hear all this stuff about cryptocurrency. And yet the bridge in the middle is this stable coin. Oh, this, this tether equals a dollar and this thing equals something else. And I think that that's where the exuberance is coming from, but I, I don't think it ends well. I don't.
0: David, I got to say, man, I have not heard anyone else say this, you. This is great stuff. It is a mass delusion. Some people just want to get into it for the heck of getting into it, because other people were getting into it. I mean, there, there's some people that obviously use it for trading, but i i, I think you're I think you're onto something here. Oh. I, I think it's some weird psychological thing too that that that's that's pumping up. Now th- there are plenty of logical reasons too, but I, I I think there are some people that are just buying it. To buy it just for illogical reasons. I'll, t- uh, I'll take
2: another side of this real quick.
0: Brecky, were you about to say something?
2: Yeah, I got something. So I don't, you know, caveat, stable coins are not hard sound money and I don't really use them very often. Actually, I don't, I have never used a stable coin. Um, but I imagine that there are some people who aren't able to get banked and who are using stable coins as the way that they would normally hold dollars anyway. You know, like I got a letter from my bank today about something saying, just telling me about like my account info. And it's like, you can withdraw so and so, you know, six times this month or whatever it is. And I'm just, and being a Bitcoiner and looking at that now, I'm just like, what you are telling me what I can do with my money? Like I was going to use yeah. a, a curse word, Sc- screw you. You know, like that's that's how I felt. And so I think stable coins <laughs> play a, they could play a role for some people where it's a digital version of fiat that isn't controlled by a government, so they can't necessarily be told to do what to do all the time. You know, when they're interacting with the fiat world, the real fiat world, sure. But um, I don't know. I think that maybe that's a use case that why some people might be using them.
0: No, I, I know, and, and that is that is, and uh, it's it's just this week we've 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 definitely heard a lot about it, and we also heard. Uh, that that the uh, Libra, Facebook Libra, uh, they've given in to the government. They're not going to be a uh, a basket of uh, coins anymore. It's just it's, they're going to be a stable coin depending on what uh, what country they're in. It's it's not going to be permissionless. I mean this is not a shock to me at all. Uh, do you, Brecky, do you have any thoughts on Libra? Uh,
2: I try not to. I try not to have any thoughts on Libra whatsoever. <laughs> Um it's been said before, I do think it might be a good way to get people into Bitcoin. Um at the end of the day, like, you know, everything you described, there's nothing new about it. There's nothing really revolutionary except for the fact that it, you know, it'll be plugged into the Facebook ecosystem so it has that massive reach. Um But I don't know. It was the first time we've heard about it in months, and I think it'll be many months before we hear about it again, and who knows if it'll actually any Still, even now, if it'll go anywhere, gain popularity,
0: I just okay. So yeah, uh, it was interesting to hear something official about it again. And I, I also wonder with you, when will it be the next time we hear about it? Are they going to get? Is there going to be some Libra momentum again? Uh, who knows? Uh, do you have thoughts on Libra down in Australia, Stefan?
1: Not really, to be honest. I think it's just one of those things where they're just going to have to like keep playing that game of trying to appease the regulator, appease the government, say, yeah, we'll give you whatever you want, whatever surveillance you want, whatever control you need to kind of get them on board. And by the time that's all said and done, it'll have very little similarity, if at all, to Bitcoin. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it, the, the way to see it is it's just another way for people to get... Another stepping stone into Bitcoin and have some understanding on that because the way people talk about these things It's always Bitcoin and the cryptocurrencies, right? And so Bitcoin is always like first and center first and center in their minds in how because Bitcoin is the mind share, right? And so it Facebook has an audience of billions of people right active users and so those are all people who will start to normalize this idea of oh digital money oh okay and then once you're already into digital money even if you even if it obviously is permissioned it's only one you're only one step away from starting to get into Bitcoin and it's just so, like even a small portion of those two billion users active users coming in to Bitcoin would be massive in terms of adoption and so on. Now obviously it's a journey and we don't necessarily want complete you know normie types we want people who are going to take you know self-custody and do all those good things uh but it's it's a it's a funnel and we're going to be able to get some of those people down that journey of self-custody all right yeah
0: we're we're going to talk about that self-custody in a
1: second actually uh
0: david Bennett, any thoughts on uh, libra
3: yeah after what uh brecky and stefan was saying i think that the only thing that i can say about it at this point is well, education is more key than ever, and it's probably going to become more and more important as we go on. Education about how Bitcoin works, what it is, why it even exists um, is going to be really, really important. It always has been, but it's going to be even more important now because if we do have a swath of people that are going to enter through a different door, then that door should have a greeter that says, welcome to stable coins. By the way, have you heard about Bitcoin? Because uh, sadly, the the, the masses of the people that are coming in, they don't know what we know. They they haven't seen all the chicanery behind the scenes. They're thinking this is all, oh, it's a fresh and pure as the driven snow and all that crap. Well, we know different. And we know these people the the leaders of tether the there are leaders of these stable coins and leaders have a tendency to have addresses and they also have a tendency to have mailboxes which get subpoenas put in them no th- th- that kind of <laughs> thing is not good so it's like you know with, with steven show <clears throat> or Stefan show you know people like you know marty and uh, and matt odell you know th- those guys the education on being able to convert the masses coming through the stablecoin door into Bitcoin is going to be more important than ever, because otherwise they're just going to be stuck in the bill and God only knows what happens with stablecoins. I mean, well,
0: yeah, I mean you make a very good. I mean, it's a lot of exchanges. I mean, control these stablecoins that coin they go through the Coinbase door, they go through the Gemini door. That right. tether, if they find out tether. I think they're going to be a little bit more uh, deeper down the rabbit hole.
2: So, how do we feel about uh, Tether on Liquid?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I think it's just one of those things where, again, it's kind of like another door. It's like, again, that kind of, it's like a better door for them to come through because if they're kind of in like that Liquid kind of ecosystem, it's kind of part of the Blockstream kind of ecosystem. And then they might be on Blockstream Green and then they might have a Bitcoin wallet as well. So that's another angle too, right? Yeah. Um, obviously, liquid has its trade-offs, right? It is you can have your pe- your peg out denied as well. So that's kind of a, a thing you have to worry about too. But I think it's a net good thing that you know that's coming to liquid. And uh, I think during this coming run, we're going to see a lot more use of liquid. At least that's my that's my uh, that's my speculation. I think we will see more use of it, at least for the for the big players like between exchanges and things. Um, so, yeah, and look, ultimately, like, ultimately, like, even if you kind of zoom out, people will look at the price chart, right? And they will look at the price chart of the stablecoin versus Bitcoin. And it will eventually become very clear to them, oh, well, wow, they're printing, like, because obviously all the printing going on, it it's just going to necessitate that stablecoin is going down versus Bitcoin. And that is the thing that will twig the curiosity of the more normie minded person to get into Bitcoin as well.
0: All right. Uh, Bricky, you, you brought it up. What, what are your thoughts on that on tether on, uh, in, in that uh, regard?
2: Um, I mean, basically if you're going to use these things that, you know, use at your own risk, like I would rather them be tied to the security of Bitcoin at the end of the day. So, you know, uh, people are going to do what they're going to do and I think they should be allowed to do whatever they want to do. So, you know, it's a net, like Stefan said, it's a, it's a net positive, more, more, more good than
0: harm. Did you have any thoughts on uh, I I, I don't know. I didn't prep you for this, so I don't know if you, uh, if you e- even read it, but there, oh. was, uh, there was an article about there's more value on the Ethereum blockchain than on the Bitcoin blockchain because of all the stable coins moving on the Ethereum blockchain. I mean, to me, I, it's not a big deal, but did you? Did anyone have any? Wait, is this is this the Voorhees thing that popped up on Twitter today? Uh, it was yesterday, and but he might have retweeted it today. I don't know. Um, if it's
2: if we're, if we're talking about the same thing, I think he was actually wrong, and the metrics he was using weren't correct. Or he was he was talking about liquidity, so maybe this is different. Um, I mean, here's the thing: the other thing is like, may, there may be more value on paper, but like if you can't sell it without taking a market, then does it really matter? I don't know. Like-
0: and again, the value was, a lot of it was in stable coins that are a bit based on ERC20 tokens on Ethereum. I, I, I didn't actually plan to get into it today, but I was I, I was just reminded of it. Well let's, speaking of Ethereum a little bit here, um, the grayscale people, Barry Silbert with his, uh, you can invest in the GBTC fund. You can invest in all these funds. They had a huge quarter, $500 million uh, that they claim, uh, for a lot of it was from institutions pouring into their uh, Grayscale funds. And the most popular one, obviously, was the Bitcoin one. And then the second most uh, was Ethereum. And then the other ones weren't, weren't very popular at all. But it, it, it ends up that Barry Silbert, uh, that the Grayscale controls 1.7% of the, the Bitcoin supply now. <laughs> what, what do you think about that, Uh david bennett that that one uh one group has that much big
3: i don't know i mean i've already i've had to live with coinbase owning as much as that they've owned for months now and i've, I've kind of gotten numb to the fact that i don't know what these guys are going to do i mean it's, the only thing that at this point the only thing that would kind of, you know, mess things up as if they just market sold everything that they had and crashed the price. And then the question becomes, well, why would you do that? So the incentives aren't aligned. So I I think that they're kind of in a, their own little jail. I I don't want to say jail, but you know what I mean? They're, they're, unless somebody gets really looped and says, Hey, let's just market sell all of our stuff. Then we've got a problem, but the, the chances of any one of these guys doing that, no matter what we think about them, pretty slim. I got to say, I mean, it's like, you're you're just going to kill the golden goose. And while people have done more stupid things than that before, it's not often. So, although the, I'll just end that by saying, I don't like the fact that there's that much Bitcoin in either Coinbase or Grayscale. The thing with Grayscale is, the users don't actually own anything. Of course, neither does, neither does Coinbase because it's sort of like their wallet, but I, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a hard, like I said, it's a hard deal. The only thing that I fall back to is the fact that human nature, having a sense of greed is probably going to not let them just do something stupid. I mean, as dumb as they can be, I've seen them be very, very dumb, but I I'm, I don't know. It's not that I'm not worried. It's just that I ain't scared. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's say that way. All right. <laughs> Let, let's
0: go to the minister of nodes here, right? Is that uh, your name, uh, Stefan Levera? We're uh, <laughs> making that a thing. It is now. It is. Okay. W- what What's your <laughs> take? Is it is it bullish? Uh, I mean, that all these people are buying into this fund, <laughs> and they, they must think Bitcoin's great, but they don't actually own their Bitcoin.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that's quite a... Quite a dilemma for those of us in bitcoin because we obviously all try to preach and teach about self custody and yet there are these large entities that are not uh basically those entities are the ones who control the bitcoin so it's it's kind of a sometimes you, you take the good with the bad right because there'll be some people who for whatever reason they're not competent enough yet uh, but i personally i've had some success with teaching people Like Once they've started down that pathway, then saying, okay, well, now it's time for you to go to the real thing. So sometimes it's like a stepping stone, and that might be a good thing. Uh, But obviously, there is the negative downside that potentially Grayscale could try to throw their weight around, and maybe that might impact the way the protocol upgrades happen and things like that. Uh, That's a possibility. I would say it's unlikely, though. I think we're getting to the point now where the messaging is getting better as well, right? So we've got companies and we've got people out there who are constantly pushing the self-custody angle and they're getting taught. And also the exchanges are going down here and there, right? Like you'll see an exchange go down and then then people start thinking, oh, well, actually, yeah, I do need to learn how to self-custody. So that's, that's an interesting angle as well. I have had some, funnily enough, I've had some clients of, of like Ministry of Nodes where... Yeah, they've, they have, um, let's say, some KYC thing came in on the exchange. And now they started to actually, that put the fear into them of, oh, whoa, actually, yeah, these Bitcoins could be denied me. My withdrawal could be denied from me. So it's time for me to start learning about self-custody. And so take the good with the bad. Uh, on straight, the, know, like- <laughs> yeah, go on. Uh, <laughs> right. Oh, sorry,
0: sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. You got a little click. It, it cut you off there. Uh, you had something else to say, Stefan? Sorry.
1: Oh, no, no, that was it. Yeah, I was just basically saying you take the good with the bad there. Okay. Uh, Brecky, your, your your thoughts on uh, Grayscale? Um,
2: well, it's been said before, but I, I think Bitcoin truly is different things to different people, and it can be multiple things at different times to different people. You know, like when I first uh, bought some Bitcoin, it was a number go up thing. I was like, oh, shit, I, I better catch this wave, and then you know, then we dumped. And um for a lot of the, I would imagine for a lot of the people who are buying into Grayscale, it's purely an investment. You know, they're not looking at it as a way to opt out. <clears throat> excuse me, to opt out of government money, and maybe at some point they will, the same way I did, and it will become both a long-term hodl investment and you know a tool of freedom and empowerment. Um, and I think that's just up to the individuals, and you know, it's not really. We can encourage people and we can teach them and try to get them to understand why we believe X, Y, or Z about Bitcoin. But, you know, it, it's it's not on us to force anyone's hand. So, um, you know, some, some of the things that Stefan was saying, like, you know, worrying about, like, undue influence over the network and development. Those are, like, where my real concern would be. Um, some, you know, some fat cat, you know, living in Manhattan wants to, you know, invest a lot of money into Grayscale. I don't care. Good for him. You know? Um, and if the day does come where, you know, the people at grayscale say, Oh, we're not going to give you your Bitcoin. Well, you know, they'll learn that hard lesson the hard way, unfortunately. But um, so I don't know, you know, maybe we can educate them ahead of time. We can do our best, but at the end of the day um, is what it is.
0: All right. All right. Well, well, uh, I, I think that Bitcoin's so great. There are people willing to pour millions of dollars into something that is, Kind of Bitcoin. That that's a good sign. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh,
2: that sounds like a good name for a new token on Ethereum. Kind of Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Introducing Brecky's new ICO. <laughs>
0: kind of Bitcoin. Pound that like button. Well, we we want the real thing here. Okay, we understand what the real thing is. And coming up on May the twelfth, we're going to see the real thing cut in half. The halving is coming up in uh. Twenty-four days. All right. So the news cycle has been dominated by. Well, we'll talk about what it's been dominated by in, in a few minutes. But uh, so there hasn't been much having hype as, as last time. But who knows what might happen in in the next three weeks here. So uh, I, I've got you here, Brecky. I, I haven't heard your take on the having. What, what 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 do you think's going on?
2: Um, the having, the having.
0: Are you excited?
2: I'm, you know what? I'll be honest with you. And and t- to be, frankly, I blame Stefan Levera for this. I really do. <laughs> um, my outlook is so long-term that I just I, – I don't care. Um,
0: yeah, I love that. You know,
2: I like know. I'm not going to sell after the having. You know, maybe I'll buy more if it goes down. But, like, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter. It does matter and it doesn't at the same time. Um, so – yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens given the current market environment, though. You know, Bitcoin has never been in such a such a market before. Not really. Um, so, yeah, we'll see.
0: No, it, it definitely hasn't. Nothing's been in such a market before where every government becomes a fascist regime. No, that's isn't. This is news. This is this is definitely different. Stefan, you're 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 <laughs> uh, thought
1: my having take. Yes. Yeah, so you, look, it has line... yeah. different. <laughs> Look, man, I, for me, um, I guess kind of first level thinking, I would think uh, like from my... I did an interview with Matt D'Souza from Blockware Mining. And in that interview, we spoke a little bit about his mining analysis, right? Because he's connected in with the miners and like he knows really like what are their costs? What are they, what are they doing, right? Because that's obviously one of the big impacts. And so his thought was that basically it cleanses out the inefficient miners and so it will take some time for that miner capitulation story to play out. Now, obviously, it's not all miners because it's really it's more like there are different levels of miners. There's some miners who are mining at a certain cost price, uh, at a certain electricity cost price. And then based on that, the equipment and the mining stuff sort of flows around just like water flows down the mountain, right? So the way he explained it was it might take some time for those inefficient miners to get wiped out basically. So they will start selling down their treasury of Bitcoins that they've been holding. And so the way I'm seeing it is we might see the halving happen and then we might see a slight dip happen as those miners get washed out. And then potentially towards the end of the year, that's when we start to see the rise happen. And my take is the real kind of proper bull run starts next year, early next year. Um, So that's my guess, again, uh, based on, you know, having those discussions with, uh, you know, people closer to the mining world. But there is another thesis as well. One thesis could also be that, look, some of these miners have leveraged up because there's been all this mining, halving hype. And, you know, it's actually going to dip further than we think it will and etc. But I think for me, in terms of base case, I'm expecting a slight dip in the price following the halving for like a little bit and then slow rise uh, through the rest of the year, and then next year is the real crazy bull run. That's my right. guess.
0: That would be like the last time around supply and demand, baby. All right, uh, David Bennett, you're uh having thoughts. Having thoughts or
3: halving thoughts?
0: Uh, wait, I <sighs> <laughs> having <laughs> for David. Having for David.
3: Okay. Um, it's priced in. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um. <laughs> I I keep thinking about like what, what Stefan said that the cleansing of the inefficient miners, that's going to happen. That's, that's, that's not, that's not something to be taken lightly. There's going to be a whole lot of people that are going to be wiped out. They're just not going to be able to operate because of two things, their equipment load, what kind of equipment they're running and what kind of electricity uh, rates that they're paying. What's interesting is that as those miners sell off their equipment or junk it, and somebody else takes it and tries to sell off like the old S9s and whatnot. Like that, there are going to be buyers out there because they're going to figure out how they can get a hold of like damn near, you know, next to nothing rates on electricity. And I was listening to uh last time, last time I was listening to uh Marty Bent's episode, he was talking to the people that he works for Great American Mining. And the people that they were and they were also talking, I think it was like there was another podcast I was listening to where they were talking to uh, Steve Barber. and between the two of them, yeah. it was pretty much the same deal is that these guys are not buying like the the top of the line stuff. They're running S9s, and they can do that because the energy equi- the energy cost that they're able to get from stranded gas is well next to nothing. The, the they have capital expenditures because they have to buy the miners they have to get the generators they have to do all that kind of stuff but they can go out that's what what bitcoin enables is that they can go out and they can grab this energy and pipe it into bitcoin and 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 do all this wonderful stuff so when the having happens i guess there might be a price dip i like i i kind of I kind of don't care because I've been through one of these before. I've heard, I, I heard the same crap in 2016 or leading up to 2016 that I'm hearing now. And when I was hearing the same stuff in 2016, I was a brand new Bitcoiner, right? I had like, you know, end of the summer of 2015 was when I got in. And the first thing I started hearing about was mining death spiral. <laughs> oh, my God, we're all going to die. You bought into it was the whole the whole thing. And what happened? It just it was just flat. It was flat from a little bit before the having. The price didn't really change all that much through the halving. It wavered, but it basically kind of went sideways. And then we get into the 2017 run. And you know what happened? OK, so it is going to shake everything out. And a whole bunch of old mining equipment is going to be sold for pennies on a pound to people like Steve Barber, who are going to put them in shipping containers and drop them on an oil pad somewhere in frickin Kentucky and get free natural gas. And he'll be able to actually run, in my opinion, he'll be actually able to run these miners against the brand new miners because he's got next to nothing in operational expenditures.
0: Uh, I'm really happy you brought up Steve Barber and uh, Marty Bent, the, the, the whole talk about this, uh, using uh, excess gas from oil mining uh, to, to power these, uh, to Bitcoin mining. Is this the future? Marty Bent said, like, in five years, like every oil company is gonna be doing this. Since, David, since you're talking about this, you clearly know about this, what's your take?
3: Well, I grew I, My dad was an independent oil producer in Midland, Texas. That's where I grew up was in the middle of the Permian Basin, which is the largest United States uh, oil patch that there is. And it still is the largest one. It's never been. It's never been the smallest one. So I kind of grew up on an I've got a pit somewhere around here. I got a picture of myself working the brake on top of a of an oil field drill, you know, exploration rig when I was like eight, wearing a Western, you know, Western utility hard hat and everything. So I kind of, I grew up in the patch and I remember one of the first things that I remember is like burned in, it's (laughs) no pun intended, it's burned into my memory. I went out with my dad on one of these fields, but it was unlike any field that I had ever seen. It was just this weird looking thing coming out of the ground there was a guy on operating a lever and there were like pipes laying like horizontal on the ground, like a whole bunch of them. And he pulled the lever and this huge, I'm, I'm talking like half of a football field worth of pipes, just lit up in gas. I was like, what? I'm like, eight. I'm like dad, what's going on? He's like, like he's, flames, he's like, he's flames played, up? yeah, he's flaring gas. And this was the old flare style back when I was like, you know, like I said, like around eight or 10 years old or something like that. Now the flare stacks have become like much more, I don't know, let's just say more expensive is what they've become. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, But it was the most amazing thing in the world. It's like watching a dragon just breathe fire. And it was happening. That was happening all the way back then. And there has never been a solution. There has never been a good viable solution for capturing natural gas off of these things. And the, the natural gas price is so suppressed, it's down so low that there's nobody in their right mind would do capital expenditure to build the pipeline to connect all these wells because of, you're talking about miles between these things. In some cases, they're like, you know, oil wells will be right, like right next door. But generally speaking, you're talking about thousands of, thousands of square miles that you'd have to actually connect. And I can't even do the math on the linear feet that you'd have to lay to be able to capture all the natural gas. The only way that you can do this is to turn the natural gas into Bitcoin and therefore turn the natural gas pipeline into either a satellite signal or a telephone line which is much cheaper to build on a CapEx uh, standpoint than anything else. You can just, at the well head, you can turn the energy into Bitcoin. And because the, these guys in, in many states, especially the states that have really bad environmental pressures on them to do such things, these are the guys that will give you the gas for free and if you're getting that amount of energy for free and you're you can generate into the you know like you know sub megawatts to the megawatt range you're going to be able to compete with an with older equipment and then in the next having when the S19s and S17s are like the S9s that we have today then it's just going to be the same story so as as the miners – as the, the inefficient miners that don't know how to operate their business or have been put in situations that they can't operate their business any longer because of energy charges, then as they liquidate their stocks is going to be people like Steve Barber that pick up those stocks for pennies on the pound, throw them in a container, and drop them on an oil pad, and every, and boom – it is going to be one of the things that stabilizes the oil industry because last i saw you're looking at $18 a barrel for west texas intermediate crude that was actually today when we came into this what like coming into this year we were at 54 and halfway through last year we were at 75 we we're at 18 these guys are going to be chopping their stuff Like staff, uh, how can we shut, we'll shut in these wells. We'll do this. We'll do that. Get anything that they can do to continue to operate throughout this thing. This is a lifeline. It's not the lifeline, but it's a lifeline that at at 18 bucks a barrel, considering how this industry has been run over the last 10 years, they're going to be looking for anything. And, they don't care i mean, like if you've ever been out to an oil field it's not like next to the next to the rig or the, the wellhead is some kind of like paradise that they don't want you to throw like your your own pad down it's caliche. it's crap i mean it's like there's nothing there so it's a why not situation you're going to end up with a continual stream of old equipment because your gas price, your energy prices are always going to be low. You're probably going to be able to do okay as a miner into the future post having. That's where I'm sorry, I'm ranting now. No, dude. no, no,
0: dude, I think this is awesome insight into the whole oil Bitcoin connection here. I didn't know you were such an expert in these matters and had grown up on the oil fields of, uh, of, of Midland, Texas. Wow, dude, pound that life button. I love this. I'm, <laughs> I'm learning all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, you're, you're, you're on Marty Bent's uh, side of, of the argument here. Five years, yeah. it's going to be big. It's going to be big for the oil people. Um, I, I believe so. I do. Going to save their butts uh stefan do you have anything to add to that any questions about that that was a that was awesome uh awesome info there
1: yeah no that was great I, I i yeah i think that's really that's the thesis for how a lot of this plays out and i agree as well i've listened to those episodes i think we will see more mining come to america so that'll be an int- a really uh cool dynamic to watch play out uh, i don't really have anything to add really on that point we got the he, he's definitely the expert there, Bre-
0: Brecky. you you're, any thoughts on the oil and uh, Bitcoin connection?
2: You know, that's a really nasty question. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. That's a horrible Trump impression. Shit. <laughs> Bitcoin is a, is a national security issue for America. All right? Okay, we're going to mine all the Bitcoins. We're going to have all of them. They're going to be great. They're going to be the best Bitcoins. They're going to be better than your Bitcoins. Okay? Saudi Arabia, you you better listen. I, don't know, I got
1: nothing. Pound <laughs> <Down, down> that like <laughs> They, they um, won't be, be mining China. <laughs> <laughs> China. <gonna> huge. <laughs> we're going to the biggest
2: Bitcoin miners. S17s. We're going to do S20s. S21s. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we get the, co- the comedy hour here. Today. Okay, guys, it's Friday. You know, it's, it's Friday, uh, baby. It's Friday. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, okay. So we talk about oil. Let's let's get into. Uh, well, I'll start this one off with uh, Stefan because it's uh, it's 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 Australia. Time to talk a little Australia and virus here. Strong hand, conviction. Have some long term thinking and get ready for part two of this episode. It'll be. Coming up in a few hours, so check back here later. See ya.